You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And um, it's the end of October. Happy Halloween, Rira. Yeah, tomorrow's Halloween. <laughs> I'm so excited because Halloween's my favorite holiday. Do you have any plans? What are you dressing up as? Uh, I have a Pikachu onesie and I'm going, to, going over to a friend's. I'm going to give out candy to all the kids that come and trick or treat. Nice. Yeah. I am not doing anything. I am working on this giant ass conference and show that's <laughs> happening this weekend for collaboration. It seems like it has taken over your life because, it, it, if I'm correct, you you edit like five podcasts and yeah. I've been I've been late for a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I'm late on um. I, I, actually, I saw I saw a tweet um someone complaining about the K drama podcast. I know being like, where is the episode? I can't watch the show without <laughs> listening to it. No, it's more that they can't watch the show, so they'd rather listen to it because Boys Over Flowers apparently is semi terrible. But it's but it's on Netflix though. They could just watch it. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to be talking about our October book club pick, The Ghost Bride, just in time for Halloween, uh, by Yang Si Chu, later on in the episode. But first up, I guess um, we're going to go through, because um, we're always experimenting with new forms and schedules here, um, because we're already getting into November, Rira has um, graciously compiled some new book news and new releases uh, for us I, i've just learned that every month there's a lot yeah and in order to like shorten them like we have to do it bit by bit every episode <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we're gonna start off this episode with some book news and new releases um talking about um, what's coming up in the first weeks of november um so after that we're gonna jump right into our um our discussion so uh, first up on new releases, November Girl by Lydia Kang, um, published by Entangled Publishing, releases on November 5th, 2017. The book follows Hector, a mixed-race boy of Korean and black background who escapes to the deserted Isle Royale on Lake Superior to leave his troubled home life behind. On the island, he befriends Anda, the daughter of the lake who's not quite human and summons storms every year in November that causes shipwrecks and drownings. And that's November Girl by Lydia Kang. Lydia Kang, she also wrote a book um, this past year that came out, uh, A Beautiful Poison, which was a murder mystery story set during the Spanish influenza. Nice. So, yeah, double double deal, I guess. Yeah. By her books. Uh, next on our list is The Speaker by Tracy Chi, published by G.P. Putnam's Sons Books for Young Readers, releases on November 7th. Sequel to the reader, Tracy Chi's second novel follows Sephia and Archer, who are back on the run after having escaped the guard. Haunted by painful memories, Archer struggles to overcome the trauma of his past with the Impressors, whose cruelty plagues him whenever he closes his eyes. But when Sephia and Archer happens upon a crew of Impressors in the wilderness, Archer finally finds a way to combat his nightmares by hunting Impressors and freeing the boys they hold captive. And that is The Speaker by Tracy Chi. Oh. Did you uh, did you read the first book? No, but I really want to. I really, really want to. Is this like a s- 
fantasy sci-fi it, it's more of a fantasy okay and um it's definitely like a book meant for um it's like a love letter to readers nice which is why the first book is called the reader next up is jade city by fonda lee um published by orbit releases on november 7th 2017 magical jade mind traded stolen and killed for is the lifeblood of the island of kekon for centuries, honorable Greenbone warriors like the Cowell family have used it to enhance their abilities and defend the island from foreign invasion. Now the war is over and a new generation of Cowls vies for control of Kekon's bustling capital city. They care about nothing but protecting their own, cornering the jade market, and defending the districts under their protection. When a powerful new drug emerges that lets anyone, even foreigners, wield jade, the simmering tension between the Cowls and the rival Ait family erupts into open violence. Jade City by Fonda Lee. We actually, a lot of people from our forums nominated that book for uh, our November pick. But unfortunately, it comes out in November. So we're <laughs> like, oh, it's not out yet. So uh, kind of tough. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for another time. But it sounds really cool. It sounds like um, kind of like a gangster fusion sci-fi yeah. uh, book. And I'm all about that. So There's a lot of concepts there that I am very much vibing with so that's cool and the last book on our list is these violent delights by victoria nam kung published by griffith moon releases on november 7th at windermere school for girls one of america's elite private schools dr gregory copeland is the beloved chair of the english department a married father with a pension for romantic poetry and impressionable teenage girls he operates in plain sight for years until one of his former students goes public with allegations of inappropriate conduct. With the help of an investigative journalist and two additional Windermere alumni who had relationships with Copeland as students, the unlikely quartet unites to take him down. And that's These Violent Delights by Victoria Namkung. Oh. It sounds extremely timely. <laughs> oh my God. Did you like. Did you wake up this morning and were like... I was uh. following... So I was watching the Dodgers in the World Series and trying to figure out... Like trying to delineate between the Dodger posts and like the Kevin Spacey posts. Yeah. In my in my feed. Yeah. Moving on to book news. Uh, first on our list is Hafsa Faisal's debut novel, We Hunt the Flame, was bought by Farrar, Strauss, and Giro. Her manuscript was uh, pitched during uh, DV Pit, which is a Twitter pitch fest. yeah. yeah. Uh, the novel is set in a world inspired by ancient Arabia and follows a girl named Zafira who must disguise herself as a man to seek a lost artifact that could return magic to the world. Oh, I feel like a lot of people are jumping on this like Mulan type of like narrative. Yes, yes I need more of those in my life. <laughs> um, but Hafsa Faisal, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I I apologize. Please correct um, us on Twitter. Cause, uh, you... <laughs> but uh, I know that she is uh, a, she is a designer, so she's designed a couple of um, book covers for Asian-American authors. So nice. it's really nice that she's writing her own novel now. That's awesome. Well, congrats to you. And yeah, who says nothing ever comes out of Twitter? Nothing good ever comes out of Twitter, at least. Next up is Soho Team bought World English Rights to Samira Ahmed's Mad, Bad, and Dangerous to Know. Um, told in dueling narratives that weave between past and present, Ahmed's YA thriller follows a Muslim-American teenager who partners with a descendant of French author Alexander Dumas to unravel the mystery of a 19th century Muslim woman who appears in letters between Dumas and Eugene Delacroix. The book is slated for fall 2019. Uh, next up is Little Brown picked up author-illustrator Jin Xiaojing's 
I Miss My Grandpa, a picture book in which a child asks different family members about her late grandfather and learns his characteristics through the various features he he's passed down to his kin. Xiao Jing was the winner of the 2017 Little Brown Emerging Artist Award. Publication is planned for 2019. Awesome. Congrats to everyone getting book deals. Yeah. Marvin, can I be controversial for just one minute? Okay, so I know it's my <laughs> turn, but I feel like you can tee this up better than me because I have kind of no idea what's going on here. Okay, um, so Twitter, like book Twitter kind of went crazy this past week. Um, yeah, I'm so, reading this tweet right now. This is Oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. read it. I'm going to read it. Um, but... Pretty much what happened was this white author named Abby Emmons went on, went, on, went on a Twitter rant pretty much saying that diverse books are not realistic. And I'm going to read her actual tweet. Can I just be controversial for a minute? I don't want diverse books. I want realistic books. And that's written in all caps. Um, and then she goes on to say, when did we start compromising real life for the sake of making our books, quote unquote, diverse? The world is diverse, yes, but not every place is. For example, if I was writing a book that took place in my hometown, it wouldn't be very diverse. It was written in all caps, if you couldn't tell. And that doesn't make it bad slash racist slash sexist. Real life isn't always diverse. The world is full of beautiful people of all different races, ethnicities, backgrounds, and I love everyone. But I don't encounter everyone in my small corner of the world. So depending on the setting of your book, diversity might not be realistic. I just wish we would stop trying to be socially, quote unquote, correct, and instead just write books that actually ap- apply to real life and actually reflected the kind of thing we encounter in real life. Diversity is good, but it also it's also unrealistic sometimes. And as a writer, I just want to write a story that makes sense. So I feel like he, she should have ended that with hashtag white lives matter. <sighs> So like, something like- so like um pretty much like authors of color caught wind of this thanks to Paul Kruger, author of Last Call at Nightshade Lounge. Mm-hmm. He is hilarious, by the way. Follow him mm-hmm. at um I think his Twitter handle is uh at not like Freddy, you know, like Freddy Krueger. Um but yeah, he was just ret- quote retweeting it and saying like how white all the comments are and like um how like pearl clutching everybody was. <laughs> And it's like I remember going through the comments and and it was like so shocking to me because one person said, oh, I write like I write alien fiction where like you you go to space and you see aliens. I can't just throw a black person in there. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're writing a book about aliens. And Wait, you were can't... they serious? Yeah, they were serious. And then there was another person who said, oh, I'm re- I'm writing a historical fantasy and oh, so they're supporting her. Yeah, yeah. This is this just seems like someone is like upset that diverse like diverse narratives is like the in thing right now. Pretty much she's saying like I just want to write about white people and I don't want people to make me feel uncomfortable by doing that. And I mean, it's just like no one's stopping you from writing about white people. So it started so this whole thing started like a uh, not a hashtag but like a catchphrase. Like a lot of authors of color started their tweets with, can I just be controversial for a minute? And then they would like, is this like, is this because there's been that, um, that recent trend of like each like equals one like hot take or controversial take? Have you been seeing those? Yeah, I've been, I've been seeing it on and off. 
But uh, I collected some of the tweets by uh, Asian American authors, and some of them are pretty great. So uh, we're going to go through those. I'm ready. I'm like strapped in. So S.J. Jones, author of Winter Song, she wrote, Woman, I live in small town. I live in a small town in North Carolina. What am I, a unicorn? <laughs> um, Ellen O, author of Spirit Hunters, she tweeted, So I guess what she is saying is that there are no LGBT or disabled people in her town. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Sabah Tahir, author of an, an Ember in the Ashes, she wrote, Could it be that your hometown is in fact diverse in many ways and you just don't want to see it? Controversial, I know. <laughs> Heidi Heilig, author of The Girl from Everywhere, she did a series of tweets, and she wrote, Fiction is never realistic. Very few people meet their soulmates in high school. Very few have summer vacations in three acts with rising and falling action. Fiction is not reality. It's better. That's why we read, right? If books weren't better than reality, we'd put them down in favor of the day-to-day of life. So when people say, I don't want diverse books, I want realistic books— What they mean is marginalized folks don't exist in my idealized version of reality. What they mean is my imagination has room for dragons and time travel and perfect kisses and long lost princesses rediscovered, but not you. And of course, that's just more of the same, isn't it? That's what marginalized refers to. There's no room for you here. And if there's no room for your imagination for marginalized people, your imagination is incredibly bigoted. Dang. Dang. Fire. Okay. <laughs> and then um, I'm going to leave it with uh, with some tweets by Tongwon Song, who is a literary agent. He wrote, Can I be controversial for a sec? Write the book you want to write. No one is forcing you to write non-white, non-cis, non-straight characters. But freedom of speech isn't freedom from consequences. People will have opinions about your work as you are asking them to do by publishing. Follow your heart. If it leads you to a bad place, don't ask me for absolution. Don't ask for forgiveness. You were taught. You were told. Own your work. Tell the story of your heart. Embrace consequences in the fullness of its complexity. Live your damn life. (laughs) I feel like that's, yeah, that's where I'm at too, which is like, Maybe they're just not like there's a reason why we we talk about write your own voices, right? Because obviously people who don't know or don't care to know aren't going to. I think that if your town is extremely white, then you should think about how your town uses systematic racism to exclude people of color in your town. And a good book to learn more about that is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng because oh. it got small town politics like <laughs> down, like like on blueprint. It, it, yeah, it's a great yeah. book. But yeah, a lot of um, like Abby Emmons, she deleted her tweet. But guess what? I took a screenshot. Screenshots are forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know that she like tweeted later later on saying like how people were coming after her and i was just like take take responsibility yeah like no one's forcing you to write diverse characters i mean you can write a book of just about white people i just won't read it so. <laughs> i mean the, the thing with ignorance is like everyone is a little ignorant of something like of some subject they're not familiar with and once you learn once you get corrected or once you get you know like once you were pointed to places where you can learn about it, the only real 
like course of action is to admit that you didn't know before. Now you know, and you you're gonna keep learning. Yeah, right? I've learned. I I've learned on Twitter that people are like really bad with apologies. <laughs> like, no one apologizes for their actions, and if they do apologize, they say, "I don't remember saying that or doing that." I mean, Twitter hey. Twitter is basically like. Social media in general has like really, really. Um, Apologizing on Twitter is equal to <laughs> dumping someone over text. <laughs> there is no sincerity. I mean, not even that. I, feel, I just feel like social media in general just appeals to like people's base narcissistic instincts. So like, it's not surprising you get like some bad takes. You know. I'm just really happy that uh, the the authors of color community on Twitter uh, stepped up and yeah. really like made a great discussion on Twitter on like why that kind of thinking is uh problematic and like Yeah. Like people of color book Twitter is was like I didn't know about it until we started this book club, but it's a great place for a lot of really interesting thought and You learn a lot. Takes yeah. Anyways, yeah, that that will do it for our news segment. Um, let's get on to our book club discussion. Um, again, you can also contribute to our discussion by joining our Goodreads group. Uh, go to goodreads.com and join the Books and Boba group um, and give us your thoughts on any of our books, including what you think about our thoughts about The Ghost Bride. Um, a quick reminder that our November book club pick is The Empress of a Thousand Skies by Rhoda Beleza. The soft cover edition of the book actually comes out today, October 31st. So, um, And also, you know, support your library if yeah. you want to borrow it at your library. Um, speaking of uh, monthly picks, um, we want to give people an extra, like, one month time advance of yeah, like, for, so our future picks. Are we putting the December pick up on... Uh, Yes, it's already again? it's already up on Goodreads. Um, oh. So our last book of 2017 will be Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, who won um, the Nobel Literature Prize this past year. Yeah, I feel like I was. I needed a reason to read this book. I was. <laughs> I was struggling. I was like, Oh, do we read Remains of the Day or Never Let Me Go? Because uh, they're both books that have been recommended. You start with when it comes to Ishiguro's uh, work. But I, I, but I thought Never Let Me Go would be would make for a better discussion. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard of Never Let Me Go, if you've never watched a movie, do not read the reviews. Do not read the summary. Just go in cold. It mm. will give you the best experience that way. Going cold to the book. Yeah, going cold okay. to the book. Should I watch the movie first? No. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> we always favor the book over the movie. No. Do we? If you can, read the book before watching the movie. I feel like the movie, um, I mean, the movie's really great. I, I love the movie. I'm just giving you a hard time because I know you're so upset that I've never read any Harry Potter. I think we talk about that like, pretty <laughs> frequently. I'm still, I'm still appalled. Okay, moving on to right. our discussion portion. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to play some break music for those of you who are in the middle of your commute. And then when we come back, we're going to start a discussion on the, uh, the Ghost Bride. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Books and Boba. Uh, we're about to start our discussion of our October 2017 book pick, The Ghost Bride by Yang Si Chu. This is book number 
14? 14, I 13. think. What episode is this? I it's don't know. been more it's than like a year, but um, The Ghost Bride is a supernatural mystery adventure love story. Uh, yeah, it's it's a blend of genres. I mean, for the past couple of episodes, I've been pitching it as a paranormal historical fantasy, Yeah, <laughs> which I think kind of covers all the bases. Yeah. For those of you who haven't read the book yet, we are going to spoil everything. So if you do plan on reading stuff and there are a lot of twists and turns in the story, um, pause now and come back later. Um, but for those of you who, for some reason, want to listen to us spoil the story before reading it, because I know some of you guys are out there, just go ahead and keep listening, I guess. You monsters. Um, the book, um, I'm going to read the description. So, Malaya, 1893. Lilan, the daughter of a genteel but bankrupt Chinese family, has few prospects. But fate intervenes when she receives a proposal from the wealthy and powerful Lim family. They want her to become a ghost bride for the family's only son who died under mysterious circumstances. Rarely practiced, ghost marriages are often meant to placate a restless spirit. Such a union would guarantee Lilan a comfortable home for the rest of her days, but at what cost? As she reluctantly considers the offer, Lilan is unwillingly drawn into the shadowy parallel world of the Chinese afterlife. With its ghost cities and vengeful spirits, there Lilan must uncover the Lim family's darkest secrets and the truth about her own family before she is trapped in this ghostly world forever. Ooh. So very fitting for yeah. Halloween. <laughs> so I listened to half of this book on um, audiobook. Oh, because... that's cool, because the author, uh, Yang Si Chu, she narrates Yeah, she actually it. narrates it, and she does a really good job with a lot of the voices. And the other half I read, because um, I, I do a lot of commuting, so sometimes to save time, I just listen to... Yeah, the book instead shame of the podcast, but um, I feel like uh, Yang Sing Chu's prose is very lush and yeah. like descriptive, so it's very easy to like immerse yourself in it, whether it's like reading what's on the page or hearing it being uh, read to you. Yeah, I guess we can start off with. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, do you want to go like by act or by like characters? I mean, I guess we should start off with just the. Obviously, this is a period piece, right? It takes place in the 1890s um, in Malaya. Malacca. Yeah, yeah Malacca. Uh, in the Malaysian you know, archipelago. Uh, um, obviously, during the Qing dynasty, which is the last dynasty before the, um, the yeah. Republic of China. And it's when Malaya was under British rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting because it's set in Malaya, but... Um, like the character Li Lan, her family is Chinese. Yeah, which is the case in a lot of the um, Malay islands, like Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore. Even is there's a lot of Chinese. It's like a mix of Chinese, Malay, South Indian, and um, yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely something that stood out to me. Like. I just love seeing the blend of different cultures because it's like also different religions and uh, <laughs> different superstitions. And, yeah, um, but a lot of the book has to do with or had to do with Chinese superstition specifically. And I definitely saw a lot of things that like I've heard before or I know before. I know um, the author Yixi Chu did make some of it up to like suit the story and the narrative, mm-hmm. but. In general, a lot of like the folk tales or superstitions are very, very like I've heard them from my own grandmother before. I think I think like you can tell immediately that it's an own voices work because <laughs> like all the details about 
food and clothing and just like the specificity of it it's it's like really astounding yeah. like i of course like i'm not a time traveler and like <laughs> i and i've never been to malaysia um but it just seemed like yang sei chu did such a good job did a fantastic job like setting the stage uh for the reader and also i would say the setting is pretty much the star of the book like yeah like i would say that this book is more about showing you a different culture rather than um like it being a very plot heavy book although a i don't lot know of stuff about happens. that yeah a lot, a of, lot stuff of stuff happens. happens like a lot of things like it starts off like let's just get into like it starts off as like this like 1890s Malaysian crazy rich Asians, right? Or like, no, or like, no, I, no, or I, like Jane Austen type. Like, here, here's how the rich people live. Like, here is like, you know, all the extravagancies of like aristocratic life in colonial Malaysia. Okay, you know the Mahjong power scene and like the the Grand Lin um, estate. I guess we can just jump into. Uh to like the first arc of the book because yeah. like the book is split up into um, I would say four different arcs and um, there's definitely four different acts yeah like, four different yeah. acts yeah so um, we're introduced to Lilan who is um, you know Chinese she's a Chinese immigrant yeah uh, in straight born Chinese um, like Chinese but in overseas and her she is the uh, only daughter of the Pan family yes yeah. and her father um he has taken to opium and um they are pretty much bankrupt and yeah. she has she had lost her mother mother to um smallpox smallpox which his father also which her father also um was scarred from yeah, yeah. and she uh, miraculously survived survived without unscathed, any, unscathed. Yeah. Um, and, and they live they live with her ama which is her grandmother i don't think no not grandmother it she's like a nurse oh, okay yeah um but her like the book opens with her father asking her, "Hey, uh, how like what would you think about doing a ghost marriage yeah. with uh, the dead son of the Lim family? Which it's, it's the Lim family, right? It's Lim. Um, it's the Chinese. Like if you were to um, ping it, it's actually more like Lin. It's the same word as Jeremy Lin's Lin. Oh, okay, Lin. Yeah, like she's just like that's weird. Like I don't want to marry a ghost. Like why would I do that? <laughs> Um, but you know, her dad saying, well, you would live in comfort for all your days. Yeah. Our debts would be paid. And as long as you're like a virgin and don't like sleep around, you're like <laughs> set for life. Yeah. But, um, he does it. He asks her in a way where it's like, it's oh, not committal. You, yeah. It's like, if you don't want to do it, then like, yeah. I'm not going to force you. But then the Lim family does take an interest in her and starts inviting her to their, their functions, right? They invited her to a Mahjong night. Yeah. And then you get a you know you get a glimpse of how the rich people live in Malaysia. You, like they go in a rickshaw, they wear her like second best dress, and um, you, they, you know the, the Lim family is like a rich merchant family. The the like the patriarch has like three wives, like main wife and like second wife, third wife, and a concubine, I think. Yeah. yeah. I thought like I thought it was really interesting because like I think there was a line in the book where Li Lan says like. Oh, we're Chinese, but we're not so strict as the Chinese. Like my feet aren't bound. I'm not like forced to stay in the house all the time to do housework. And yeah. also, like she's kind of abnormal for uh, like a Chinese Malaysian because she um, like 
she's educated. Like her father has taken pains to like teach her how to read and write and yeah. taught her the classics. It's interesting. This period of Chinese history, China was still very much isolationist. So they're very much、um, like the best and brightest don't leave, right? So that's why you have like laborers that、um, went to like places like California and the、um, outside of、um, China to look for opportunities because. And that's why I guess the, the the rich people in Malaysia were merchants. Yeah, yeah. and it seemed like、uh, like the sons of rich families they got their educations in like Hong Kong or、yeah. like they、uh, went to Europe and. Well, that's probably because of the colonial. Yeah, because rule of、too. colonial、yeah. rule, and、um, I think the setting like Malacca is、um, like. A port, like it's a port city. It's a yeah, port it's city. Yeah, it's a port city. Yeah, like and there's like a lush jungle around them, and、um, I don't know. It was like it was very like cinematic. <laughs> I like I could picture、uh, like the collage of like Chinese architecture and then like Dutch architecture, and then like、yeah. you have like wildlife, and it's just like this confluence of cultures, and it's like it's so、yeah. cool.、Um, but then、um, because of Incidents that happened during this、um, first visit, she's introduced to a the、um, the heir of the the sur- surviving heir of the Lim family,、uh, uh, Tian Bai. Tian Bai, yeah. And also, she ends up getting starts. She starts getting haunted by her supposed ghost girl,、um, Tian Chen. Tian Chen Ching. The, the first, I mean, like I said, the first act seemed like a. Like what I would expect a Jane Austen novel to be, kind of like where it's like, you know, it's it's leaning more towards romance in the, yeah, in the first act.、And、she like starts falling for、uh, Tim Bai, Tim Bai, who who is like it's it was like insta love by the way. Yeah, it's just like she's like oh, it's the first man I've seen who is like relatively my age, and he's like good looking and smart. And yeah, I don't blame her. Like. Like it's back、yeah. then you needed to get married to like actually make a life for yourself. And then she finds out that she was actually betrothed to Tian Bai, but because Tian Bai is now the, the heir, heir, she's not. She's no longer、eligible? acceptable. Yeah, eligible. Yeah. Like because like her, her family is poor her family and owes poor. his family so much money. Okay, so during this first act, she is pretty much like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Right, she's haunted by this like dick, this like really like just pretentious. Who, who is like very single minded by the、yeah. way? Like he won't take no for an answer. He's also spoiled. Yeah, he's just like, like I fell in love with you the moment I saw you, which was like when she was like like not even a teenager, <laughs> and and he's just like oh like look at all of the look at all of the riches my um my parents have burned. Yeah. As, as offering, like you, you could have all of this. Like, look at how great I am. Can I tell you when I went back to Asia last time? I saw like at the temple, they had like effigies of like smartphones now, like smartphones, Mercedes Benzes, like what? Yeah, like <laughs> nowadays you can burn effigies of smartphones to give to your your、oh、deceased relatives,、That's、so they、hilarious. can have smartphones, iPhones in the in the afterlife. I was actually um like kind of intrigued by the whole like. Like offering, like、mm. offering burning because it's very different. It's very different from like Korean funerals, <laughs> and、um, it was just it, it was just like really interesting because like she's like I, I feel like with Asian ghost stories, it's oh the ghost is always like an ancestor, yeah. And then like in Western ghost stories, it's like someone who like it's like a total stranger who like died mysteriously, yeah, in, in the place. So 
it's like oh it's- i think it's just culturally um i mean the folklore and the like religion that the ghost bride is built around is kind of similar to what i grew up with which is a mixture of taoist and ancestor with like some buddhism thrown in kind of like a hodgepodge of like a lot of different uh, superstitions um and and rituals yeah, yeah. And it was like really interesting because like she keeps getting haunted and like she finally tells her ama. Yeah. And like her ama's like, we need to go to a medium. Like we need to like get you <laughs> right. some like prescription, like exercise the shit out of this ghost. Because <laughs> there's a there's a there's a divide between because her, her ama is very, very much believing in all the superstition and her dad is more Confucian and like pragmatic. Yeah, more right? more scientific. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, she, and you know, she goes to medium, and uh, she gets prescribed like this tonic, I guess, like yeah. medicinal herb <laughs> tonic that she's supposed to take every night in order to like, yeah, block the uh, block the ghost from coming into her dreams. Because right now, her main goal is to get rid of the ghost and find a way to marry Timbai. Yeah. Right. That's her like that's her entire like want. Yes. And uh and then we move into the second act where like well, she overdoses on Well Yeah, we move Sorry. into the second I'm act so- <laughs> because she over and the reason she overdoses is because she finds out that um the betrothal's been broken off. Oh yeah, right? and Tianbai is supposed to marry somebody else. Yeah. Right? Tianbai yeah. is wearing like this like girl that she competed against in like a sewing contest that she hates. Oh yeah, this the a, horse face girl. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is very like that's where I got like the Austin-y vibes from. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I I feel like it's like more of a soap opera, <laughs> a soap opera trope. But um, yeah, but yeah, like we move into the second act, and you know she is she, yeah she overdoses on this tonic, and then she accidentally um, severs her like separates her soul from her body. Yeah, right. pretty much she goes into a coma. Yeah. Yeah. A state of like un not quite death, but not quite life. I was actually very surprised by that. I didn't <laughs> like I knew that she was gonna go into uh the spirit, like the spirit world, right? world, but I just like didn't know yeah. how that was gonna happen. I assume she would just be pulled in somehow through like I don't know, ghost portal or something. Yeah, but... yeah. Like I thought like maybe she would be like granted the power to see ghosts and but she was like still alive, like kind of <laughs> like a medium. But it was really surprising where when she like became like a not a hungry ghost, but like kind of like a a, a wandering spirit yeah. who couldn't return to her body and I was like, Whoa, okay, like yeah, so took a turn. So the second act is all about her um, trying to get back into her body, yes. right? Trying to figure out what's going on, get back into her body, and learning what about the ghost world. So we, you know, she goes around, encounters hungry ghosts, encounters. Um, she goes into the Lim household to like maybe figure to, out, yeah, to, to like, investigate, to investigate, yeah, and um, and you know, while she's investigating, she sees signs of like. Foul play, yeah, pretty much. I forgot who, like, I forgot the name of the character, but it's like the older sister, of... the old, the older half sister. She's the daughter of the second wife. I think her name was y- y- Yongli. No, it's um Yinghe, Yinghong. It's Yanghong, but um, according to um, Yansei's notes, it's um Red Swallow, which is Yin Yinghong. Yeah. Yinghong. Okay. Yeah. Um. So like Lilan, when she is investigating the Lin household oh, as like a spirit, my bad. It's it's Lin Tianqing. Yeah, I was right. 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 Oh my god, I heard. I, I remembered it wrong. Yeah, uh, Lin Tianqing. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like when Li Lan was. That makes sense because, um, sorry, um, in Chinese tradition, like the same generation of patrilineally um, will have the same kind of middle name, like generational names. So Tianqing and Tianbai would, yeah. would be the same. Yeah, yeah, we do that in, in Korea as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when Li Lan is over to uh, the Lin household, she finds out that. Uh, well, yeah, because um, Lin Tianqing says that he believes that her his cousin um Tian Bai killed him murdered him yeah because he was jealous of him or something yeah like yeah. he remembers like drinking uh, which is like pretty projecting that was like, pretty, he uh, was just like oh i remember like drinking tea and it tasted weird and then i was dead the next day and i'm yeah. like well props to him yeah <laughs> he probably was murdered um but when Lilan goes to the lin household she finds out that um Yang Hong, like I forgot her name already. Yang Hong. Yeah. Yang Hong, like yeah. uh, Yang Hong has like the cup that yeah. was like the murder weapon, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, and then um, I forgot who she and she goes to um, she somehow somehow ends up in this other dude's house where she meets Fan. She's she's like not a hungry ghost, but she is like a spirit that hasn't passed on. Yeah, like um, you know what I found reading all these like all these characters like ghosts are jerks. Like, there are no good ghosts. Yeah, especially in uh, the Chinese spirit <laughs> world, apparently. Um, yeah, like, with hungry ghosts, if if I'm correct, they're, uh, they're people who haven't had, like, a proper burial. Or, they didn't like, have a proper burial. Their families don't offer them anything. So as they're in... So in Yansei Chu's version of the Chinese afterlife, there's this limbo period before you get sent to the... Plains um, of the, the Plains of the Dead, which is the limbo area, before you get sent off to the courts of hell to yeah. like be judged. So the, so during during this time, she learns about like how the afterlife bureaucracy works, right? Oh, boy. So she learns about... like The first step is to whether or not... if you get reincarnated or not right yeah. um or no the first step is whether or not you go on to enlightenment like heaven or not like if you get taken out of the the cycle of re- reincarnation right so if you've been super good and saintly you go to paradise supposedly um if not then you get sent to the courts of hell where you're judged and depending on whether or not you were kind of good or like mostly bad, you either get sent to be reincarnated or you have to serve out your punishment before you get reincarnated. Yeah, some yeah. of those punishments are really brutal. Like <laughs> uh, I, I was reading somewhere that like rumor mongers, they get their tongue ripped yeah. out. Uh, rapists, they get boiled alive. I mean, they're dead, but like boiled in a <laughs> yeah. wok. And I was like, okay, well. That sounds gruesome, but yeah, yeah I think they deserve it. Uh, <laughs> and apparently even in the afterlife, the, the bureaucracy is corrupt and people can bribe and people can... And some judges are unfair. Yeah. And, um, and and we find out that uh, Lin Tianqing, like he... He's, is, been, he's been gaming the system. Yeah, he's right. been gaming the system. He's been bribing um, the like officials yeah. and... Um, and like it seems like he has a lot of power because of his ancestors who died before him and who are still in the plains. Of well, also the because dead. his mom burned so much money for him. Like his mom is pretty much like she's like very devoted to her son. Yeah, right. She wants to give him everything he wants. Well, it's her only son, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. Um. So yeah. So she. Um. Um. Well, she finds out that um he is basically looking for her. He's supposed to guards outside of her home. Yeah, some like ox-headed demons. Yeah, and 
Well, actually, because of her, because she, of meeting Fan, the the not hungry but kind of like how would you explain it? She's like a very selfish ghost, right? She wants to like. Yeah, like uh, her whole story is that like she was in love with this man, and uh, you know she died, and he got married and had family. Yeah, and um, her like her lover has always like left offerings for her. Yeah, because um, he he thought she might be a hungry ghost. Yeah, yeah, and because also because she keeps visiting him in his dreams, which is some a ghost power apparently, and um, also might be slowly killing him. Yeah, yeah, she's like taking his life force <laughs> she's like oh he looks good for a man of 50 years and like leland's like i thought he was 80 what the <laughs> hell did you do to him um um i'm trying to i'm trying to oh yeah we should yeah. talk about erlang or yeah so um yeah so through fan she learns that oh fan can take her to the plains of the dead which is like this limbo place where um ghosts can live off of their family's offerings before for for a while before going off into the courts of hell to be judged. Yeah. Right. And so she wants to go find her mom. That's I, that becomes her like her goal for the second half, like for the second part. But also during this time she meets Erlong. Yeah. Which is um Second Son in It means second son. It's more of a nickname. So oh, you, okay. you never really know his real name. Yeah. But he's a minor official of the heavens. Yeah, right. and he appears to be a man with a very broad-brimmed hat, so yeah. you never see his face. But um, he's a very sassy official. <laughs> yeah, he's very haughty, very much like, are you not impressed by me, right? Yeah. And um, and he like he finds out that uh, like something fishy's going on with like, in, the yeah, Lin he's family. investigating the Lim family because like there's no way that Lin Tinching should be like commanding demons. Um, and also there are, there are also other members of the Lim family that are like obviously corrupt, but he doesn't have evidence. And it's also like, like he knows that they should have gone to the courts of hell already, but it's been like so many years. It's like, what, what's up? Like, I need to figure out like who is like, he's like, he's like corrupted official. He's like heaven FBI, right? Or heaven IRS maybe. (laughs) He's like investigating like, like embezzlement corruption, right? Corruption of like. Yeah, and um, he recruits. Well, he's in, he's internal affairs. He's like internal affairs, FBI, IRS, and um, he recruits Elon because he can't physically go into the planes of the dead um, without consequences. Yeah, right. And, and he like gives her like a means of like summoning him. Yeah, he gives her a scale. Yeah, and that that's where she starts suspecting he might be a dragon. No, she does not suspect it until like she actually sees him as a dragon. <laughs> someone well, she, someone she, mentioned uh, she never saw him as a dragon though. No, she did. No? You sure? Yes, she when? did. In the Plains of the Dead when there was like crow demons were after them and she was trying to like get back into the living world and he like turned into a freaking dragon. Did like, he? Yeah, to like slow them down. I thought he was just fighting them. I, no, yeah. he turned into a dragon. <laughs> Anyways, he's a dragon. Well, like, apparently. Uh, but like someone in our forums, I forgot who uh, mentioned that uh, it reminded them of Spirited Away and uh-huh. that was another reason why I was like, oh, yeah. Spirited away. <laughs> I think Julie said that um, it was a non-irritating love triangle, which I agree. It was like I didn't like. Normally, when I read like things that are getting into like romance territory, I'm like a little groany. But I was, in this one, I was like, oh, it's not that bad. It was it was pretty light, and yeah. I really appreciated that. Actually, fu- funny enough, um, I I read an interview where uh, Chu said 
uh, in her earlier drafts, there were pretty much like no romance at all. <laughs> but like her editors were like, you need to put a little bit of romance in here and also maybe cut out like a lot of the food descriptions. Because apparently <laughs> she went like super overboard with the food descriptions. I got really hungry reading this book. There's like, a lot of good food. There's a yeah. lot of good food. Uh, so yeah, so she... Um, she I can, we, we can skip through some scenes, but she convinces Tim Bai to burn her a horse so she can take it. Because apparently you can't get to the Plains of the Dead without transportation. Yeah, because it takes a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, and she, she, she asked Tim Bai, uh, Tim Bai uh, through a dream. Yeah. Which, like, you know, she... Where she also finds out that he was... He's pining after, like, a like a white girl, right? Well, or, not, a, not a white girl. She's, like... Uh, She's she's like a mixed race Spanish uh, yeah. Chinese like Eurasian girl yeah right? like Chinese Portuguese or something yeah something yeah, yeah. something of that sorts but yeah she's just like oh wait he said he loved me but <laughs> like and then but he also finds out that yeah like they've actually arranged for him to marry her yeah because she's 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 doing all sorts of spying and which is funny because like she's like the worst spy like throughout the entire like the book she is like kind of bad at spying. Like, she keeps tripping on stuff or, like, saying things she shouldn't say. Yeah. I but. think I think it, like, in, in the beginning, like, she is definitely, like, like, when she first realized that uh, she can't get back to her body, mm-hmm. like, she's kind of like a crying girl. And yeah. she's like, I don't know what to do. And then she finds out that her cook can see spirits. And she's just like, tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when she runs into fan, it's just like... Take me with you. <laughs> but the cook also was like, don't do anything. Yeah. Go back to your body. What are you doing? He's like, go back to your body. Go. And then like fans like all, fans also like, why don't you go back to your body? And well, fan thinks she's a fairy. Oh, yeah. 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 Fan thinks she's like a fairy from heaven. It's been which, a while since I finished this. Book, yeah. Which comes with you know, that because that's an important plot point later. So Lilong gets fan to take her to the Plains of the Dead, which um, starts our third act. Right. Yes. This is the third segment of the story where she is um, looking for her mother and also looking, helping Erlong with his investigation. Right, So um, he finds out that her mother is actually in the Lim Mansion, coincidentally, um, through like meeting his her grandfather's third wife, who is another jerk ghost. She who, she's uh, very salty. Yeah, uh, who she finds out actually sent the like was so much a jerk that she was the one that sent smallpox to the family as revenge. Yeah, um, early. So um, she ends up in the Lim household um, as a as a cook, right, or as a kitchen helper. Yeah, like as a kitchen helper. Yeah, and uh, there she meets uh, Auntie Three. And, and and she meets who like the suppose her supposed mother who is like the companion to uh yeah. Nin Tian Ching. Like the uh, second wife of the of the patriarch of this house. Who well, I guess he combined his house with Nin Tian Ching's offerings to like make a super make a ghost super house. house. Yeah. Um and um she meets this woman who's like just also like just very seductive and very like Kind of dragon lady esque, like very like yeah, like very much like uh, a femme fatale. Yeah, like, and like she th- and Lilan thinks like that's her mother. Yeah, and she's just like I've been told lies my entire <laughs> life. Like I thought my mom was supposed to be like this kind, generous woman, but like maybe I yeah. don't know. And part of that is about my mother. Part of that is her jerk um, third wife of 
her grandfather um, told her that her mom was a horrible person in real life. Yeah. Right. And, and she has like no way to like yeah. confirm it or refute it. Um, um, and so as she's trying to like stay cool and also do her spy business, she gets found out by this old dude, Master Ao Yang. Yeah, who she who, met on the road, and yeah, like she like told him everything, pretty much, yeah, pretty much she, everything. Again, she is the worst spy. She was told specifically by Erlang not to trust anybody. Yeah, and um, yeah. pretty much like she gets locked up, yeah. but uh, she manages to, manages to escape thanks to Erlang. Yeah, she calls him, and he originally said he couldn't do anything, but apparently he could i mean he can't like physically go into planes of the dead but like if she like summons him through like the scale then there's like a ghost apparition version of him in the planes of the dead and i think it's also because as we said the planes of the dead is so vast yeah like there was no way for him to navigate so she actually helped him find the the mansion yeah right yeah and um you know she she continues with like she sneaks back into she the sneaks house. into the bedroom of Master Ouyang's, um Yeah, place, and like right? she's like overhearing like the conversation and like about how like the Lin family has been just uh, bribing officials so yeah. they don't have to go to the courts of hell. And she steals a letter. Yeah, right? she steals Basically evidence for Erlang. Says like, I guess um, from what I read, the Lin family has been providing weapons to a certain like the sixth judge of hell yeah. in return for favors yes. right and you learn that they've been using lin tin ching's like narcissism as a way to make him the fall guy pretty much yeah sounds very much like government yeah. <laughs> like it's like oh even in the afterlife bureaucracy is, is uh-huh. bureaucracy and again because she is a terrible spy she gets found out and but she she escapes again oh right yeah she yeah. she's about to get found out because she made noise or something and then auntie three saves her yeah. and then it's revealed that auntie three is actually her mother her mother because and this is where like i i figured it out right when we met her in the first time yeah um but then, like, she drops hints, right? She's, she uses her real name, like, twice. Yeah. And the second time is when Lilan, the character, finds out. But um, The first time, it's just like, how do you know her yeah. name? Like, you've never met her before. Yeah, which yeah. is like, you're probably the mom. Yeah, you're probably which the mom. confirmed it for me, because yeah. I figured, yeah. And you find out that, um, yeah, her mom actually sacrificed her age. Yeah, her like, youth. Her youth yeah. in the ghost world to say, that's the reason why Lilan wasn't scarred by the smallpox yeah because right. it's like oh like if you were scarred you would not have any marriage prospects yeah and um and like i would i wasn't going to condemn you to that <laughs> life um but yeah it's kind of an asian mom thing to do i guess i mean back then like yeah. women's rights were kind of like atrocious yeah so. <laughs> um, um but like she's she has to go back to meet Fawn yeah. so she can actually leave the Plains of the Dead. And yeah, so, uh, she goes with Erlang, who is wounded. Yeah. And uh, as they're they, being chased by like these bird creatures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of Wizard of Oz, strangely <laughs> like enough. Flying like, monkeys? Yeah, the flying monkeys. I guess, yeah. I mean, I, the book actually does remind me of Wizard of Oz a lot because <laughs> it's about like a girl who is like whisked away into a world that's like magical and unfamiliar and she's trying to get back home. I mean, isn't that the Spirit Away part of it too? Yes. Yeah, it's also, uh, it also is reminiscent of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. It's a very <laughs> like, it, it's a trope in literature, but it 
never gets old because it's great. It's great storytelling. <laughs> um, so as she escapes with Fawn, Fawn now at this point knows that she's actually just a ghost that left her body. She's very important for a future twist. Um, and um, Erlon sacrifices himself to buy time for her to escape. Yeah, he like... And I guess that's where he turns into a dragon. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, remember like this he, part. No, he turns into a dragon. I'm okay. pretty sure he turns into a dragon. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. Okay. I am pretty sure. <laughs> uh, so they escape back into the human world, um, which is where the fourth act starts. And then basically uh, Fan lets her out in like this random door. Yeah. Which, is, which seems kind of like, oh, she's just being a jerk. Until you realize the reason she did that was as... Lilan makes her way back to home. She finds out that someone's already in her body. Yeah. Yeah. And guess who it is? It's Fawn, the jerk ghost. Jerk ghost number one, I guess. Yes. And um, Fawn has, you know, kind of um, not beautified Lilan, but like she, she's like taking advantage of her youth and body and being like oh you never knew how good you had it like (laughs) like i can work this body better than yours and um and if and lilan finds out that like uh the marriage contract between her and tambai actually went through yeah and she's like no but i'm not back in my body like but she's kind of upset because tambai can't tell the difference even though personality there's like a complete yeah. personality switch i mean and like ama totally tells the difference like she was like so you like this you like cold tea huh or it's the, like you oh like you, o- tea, huh? you always drink from this cup or like oh you never wear those clothes like <laughs> it's like oh you don't like to eat that like she yeah. notices like right away and um, um something important happens during during this because uh because Lilan can't go back to her body, she's pretty much a hungry ghost at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, because she's been away from her body for so long, because pla- because the planes of the dead, the time, yeah, time is a little bit different. Sometimes it's slower, sometimes it's faster. She's and in like this fading case, away. Yeah. In this case, it was slower, and her body is fading away. And um, she, her apparition self, has no weight, and she's kind of like. It's kind of like hard to stay. Right, on the ground. this is where she has her ghost kiss with Erlong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The ghost kiss that grants her like, like what a hundred years of life. <laughs> <laughs> In return for his fifty, which is like he lives for thousands of years. So he's like, yeah, it's, it's no biggie, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he offers, and then he takes off his mask, his like his basket hat, yeah. and then apparently he's like the most beautiful man ever. Yeah, because he's a dragon. If um, Erlong was played by anyone, who would he be? In the movie version of The Ghost Bride. <laughs> I don't want to say because you, you're going to make fun of me. Is this a K-drama guy? You no, think you no. Godfrey Gao? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Uh, I don't know. He just has like that rakish quality to him that like <laughs> that, that would like pay, play a sassy Erlong pretty well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she gets, you know, this like super spirit in her like she so yeah she she receives life force from erlong and i guess like they make a they make a big point of this that like he like probably shouldn't have kissed her for that long and used tongue yeah but he did it anyways i mean it was funny because like she had two choices like one was like to drink his blood and the other was like to take his air yeah and she was like uh the air (laughs) because i'm not drinking blood (laughs) Yeah. Um so his life force gives her time. Yeah. And like substance again. And then she's able to go back and like confront 
fan in her body, and then um, to her in right in front of her ama and her um, father, who like basically they're trying to like her ama's trying to um, exercise. Yeah, her right. If you've ever watched like Sailor Moon, <laughs> like it's like when Sailor Mars like whips out her like like her. Uh, I don't know what those are called, like those paper spells. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sutra? I don't know. <laughs> but like she like smacks it onto uh, Lilan's body and that's how like Fan gets uh, exercised. Yeah. But like the timing is pretty impeccable because uh, the ox-headed demons who are looking for Lilan, yeah. uh, they come right at that moment and they think Fawn is Lilan. Well, because Lilan Fawn just, just, just came out of Lilan's body. Yeah. And she's a spirit in this house. It's like... And then they take her, pretty much. Yeah. They arrest her or something. And then Lilan quickly goes back into her body. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, she pretty much is able to live um, a normal life. Like, she has yeah. everything that well, she wanted I mean, in the first act. At this point, yeah, at this point, she's back in her body. She met her mother. She gave Erlon the evidence he needed to, you know, to get rid of the Lin family's corruption mm-hmm. and to send, you know, Lin Tinching away to judgment. And now she is back in her body, alive, and she is marrying the man. Tim Bai. Yeah, Tim Bai. Yeah. And also her family's debts are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Bai took care of that. And she finds that she is not the same. Yeah, like she she realizes that like even though she's really glad to be back in her body, she's like, I don't know. I miss being a ghost. I miss (laughs) being able to go wherever I wanted without like people – like being like, oh, a woman, a young woman shouldn't be by herself. Yeah, and like I got to see like more of Malacca than I've ever <laughs> done in my life when I was like, like yeah. alive. Um, and then there's one more thing that happens, which is she falls down a well, and oh yeah, because she confronts uh, Yang Ho right about Yang Ho about about the murder, the murder. of uh, Tian Cheng, and yeah. um, and then um, his mother, uh, Lin Tian Ching's mother, like pretty much pushes her down a well. Pushes both of them down a well. Yeah, actually, I I don't know how you read this, but it sounded like uh, uh, Linton Ching's mom was actually being badgered by her son into like burning him offerings and to like make sure the ghost marriage goes through. Oh no, like, definitely, he was like, definitely haunting her dreams. Yeah, she's and telling just her like, to do stuff. Yeah, she's yeah. just like, I don't want to do this, but like he keeps like badgering well, her. Not even that. Well, um, that last scene where she is um, attacking. Lilan and Yin Hong. Uh, she's pretty much telling her, like, what did you do to my son? I don't see him anymore. I don't, he, he doesn't visit me anymore. Like, she's gone mad because she thinks that they've gotten rid of his ghost. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. To me, like, it read, it, it read like she was being a dutiful mother by burning offerings, mm-hmm. but he just kept coming back in her dreams no. and being like, I want to marry this girl. You need to, like, steal a piece of her clothing so I can get The way I read it was she wasn't badgering her. He was like, but mom, I want this and I want that. And she was like, okay, okay, I'll give you anything okay. you want as long as you stay. I guess, I guess that makes me. way more sense. Yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> felt like a little bit sympathetic to the woman because I'm just like, yeah, no one well, wants to be haunted by a ghost, even if it's your dead son. Well, she definitely did want to get be haunted by him, but she was also like, I'm pretty sure he was stealing her life force. But anyways, because yeah, yeah, she kept too. looking older and older. Yeah. Right. Um, and then um, she, she ends up saving Yen Hong. Um, yeah, because and, she Yan Hong is able to like climb out of the yeah. well with uh, Lilan's support, and Lilan is left in the well, like knowing that Yan Hong can like just leave her there for yeah. dead, and she's just like, "Why did I do that?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like 
It's like, oh, I should have climbed out first, or yeah. like. Um, and then she calls Erlong, and Erlong comes and saves her again, and pretty much offers her like they talk about yeah they talk about how like how she's not how happy. she's not happy right, and he offers her a choice to marry him and deal with his dragon family, um, but also to be like more than just a girl in Malacca. Yeah, like he right. says, like oh, if you become my wife, like you're going it's it's a very like solitude life like yeah. you're going to be living alone most of the time because i always have to like go undercover and do work i don't you're know gonna, what time like when i'm going to come back home you're going to move around a lot you're, you're going to move around a lot you're not going to age as, as normally like, yeah. as normally as other people you're going to watch people you love like die and well that's how she was going to do, do anyways yeah. Because um, he mentioned that, yeah, I should, probably shouldn't have kissed you for so long because now, like, you're going to be young for a long time and you're going to outlive everybody. Well, he, like, gives her a sweetener, right? Like, he, yeah. he tells her, like, well, why don't you marry Tian Bai? And then, like, if you can't handle it 50 years later when everyone is dead. I'll come for you. Yeah, I'll come for you. And she's just – and and this is the end of the book. And she yeah. says, like, she pretty much decides to go with Erlang because yeah. she can't – see herself as uh Tambai's wife and yeah. being happy. And that kind of I think that's a central theme. That's one of the central themes of the book is this change between from like from like cuz in in the first act like her world was just grow up get married. Yeah, have like, a good life. Yeah. Right? And I don't know I, I don't know if this is like too much of a stretch, but I would say like it like it is very like symbolic of like of like women's rights in that era it's just like oh like because because they're not like living in china and the rules are a little bit more relaxed and women have a little bit more leeway and a little bit uh more opportunities to be educated like like they are able to see more things and more opportunities are being open to them so it's kind of like with her going through um going through the spirit world and seeing all these things she realizes that the life that she had before, like she can never go back to it. And, <laughs> I mean, and it's even, not really something that she wants. I mean, even in the more general level, it's like the more you learn about what's out there, the less you're willing to accept the world as it is. Right. Yeah. Like um, in her, in her original life, everything was kind of done to her. Right. Yeah. Whereas, decided for her, where her, her travels and her, like even her life with Erlong would be more self-determinant, right. More, yeah, she she would have to be more self reliant. Yeah, she'll be by herself most of the time. Um, yeah, and like I think she realized by the time she like returned back to her body that like like her entire life from then on would be to just be a mom. Yeah, and just seeing like uh, Tianxing's mother. <laughs> like she's just like I don't want to be like that, and yeah. then seeing like the third wife, and seeing like how much grief has fallen upon women who are under like like men's control. She's mm. just like I I don't want this, and yeah. I don't blame her. Like, can you imagine like getting married to someone, and then like they're just they just like <laughs> they they don't give you any attention, and and, and they they just spend all of their attention and money on other women yeah like i'm sure it works in in some instances but like definitely like when your independence is stripped away when you're relying on like the patriarch of the family for <laughs> all of your expenses and stuff yeah. that's kind of hard to uh 
And it's, it's a like, hard life. <laughs> it's funny how they like, like, so they spend like a lot of time setting up Tim by as like this, like, kind of golden boy, right? He's like the, the, the cat, the, the good catch, right? Like, um, you guys get along. He's charming. He's good looking. And then like they introduce like this, you know, this dragon guy who's like kind of more wild, more like, yeah, like oh. more of, more dangerous yeah right? more dangerous i guess <laughs> it's funny because uh like erlong was such a minor character mm. in earlier drafts of this novel really and, yeah and like yang Su was like oh i really like him so she kept writing him into the drafts <laughs> and and eventually she's just like yeah let's make him a main character <laughs> let's make him a love interest as well and it's I'm like, kind yeah. of like um at first, I was like, is she going to pick this dragon dude instead of the homeboy? And at the end, I was like, yeah, pick the dragon dude. <laughs> homeboy kind of sucks. <laughs> homeboy is pining for another girl. And he couldn't <laughs> even tell the difference. Like, I, I was, I was like, really, like, kind of disgusted when, like, she finally got her body back. And she's, like, spending time with Tim Bai. Mm-hmm. And Tim Bai is like, oh, you should put your hair up. Like, you look like a schoolgirl. And I was like, oh, no, you did it. Oh, my God. You are such a jerk. Uh You, like, you're a definition of a nice guy. Like, no. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the story. And, I mean, what what are your overall thoughts? Overall, I was very, I was very captivated. I was like, I didn't expect... To be like, I was really into. I know you were into like the the descriptions and like the settings, mm-hmm. but I was actually more interested in like the thriller, like the mysterious aspects of it. That's like, very interesting. Um, I was. Like, I didn't even know what happened. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of plot threads, and I and I was actually very concerned, like halfway into the book, wondering like how all of them would be tied up because I'm like, I know this book is like kind of longer than like a normal. Um, than the normal novels that we usually read but but i was just like i don't know can she tie everything up by the end she tied it all up she tied it all up yeah and i don't know like i usually like books that are more um i guess more tightly structured and the pace is like faster but i really liked reading this book in a very like sprawling uh manner i guess because it was just like oh like it was very epic. It like went a lot of places. You were like you weren't in the same place for long, and it wasn't. I don't think any of it really dragged. I think that depends on your personal taste because, mm. like, I have heard like I, I've read reviews where like people complained about the pacing. Really, but I think it it really de- it depends on like your taste and your reading preferences. Well, I mean, people don't like diverse books, you know. Like, they're not going <laughs> to enjoy the storytelling here. But like controversial take, I know. Um, I think I wrote in my review that this book is definitely a book that you read to escape reality. Like it is definitely, um, a, it's definitely a book where you read to enjoy the journey rather than like getting the solution to the thriller. And that's really nice, I I, I think, because sometimes I read really quickly and then <laughs> I'm just like, I I just finished the book, but I felt like I took my time on this one. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it too. It's um, I, I I will put it up there as one of my more more favorite books of our of our. Oh, that's series. surprising. Really? I was I was wondering if you would if you would um, I, I knew you would like it, but I wasn't sure if you would like really enjoy it because oh. I feel because I knew that there was a bit of romance in it. 
That part was okay. It was a, was it was a little cheesy. I don't know. Maybe I just don't like when I start reading about their physiological um reactions yeah, yeah. to to I know that's love. not your cup of tea. Um I actually but, didn't like for me I was like, "Oh, I kind of don't want Lee Long to get her body back cuz I like the spirit world was so cool and I was like, I don't like don't get your body back like stay and and like i mean explore that was, those, the world more those were the stakes right like that was pretty much the stakes of like the second and third act which is like yeah will she like but i want she? but i wanted more and i wanted to see like the courts of hell and i wanted to see yeah the, i wanted to see the judges and i wanted to see so you wanted the dante's inferno version I of this love dante's inferno <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would want a dante's inferno version of this <laughs> Um, Book club member Jess also um, talked about how she liked, you know, the descriptions of the afterlife um, coming from like a Christian background and coming from my background too. like just thinking about how the afterlife or your notions of the afterlife is also tied to your notions of your like real life. Whereas like the Chinese afterlife is very bureaucratic because Chinese, like even ancient Chinese, like Imperial China was very bureaucratic ministers and officials. Yep. Whereas like the Christian afterlife is more like kingdoms. Like you had one dude ruling over everything, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting and how even this book they had, um, it's kind of like um, Zen Cho's um, Sorcerer of the Crown, where you had different versions of mysticism and religion yeah, governing yeah, like the, the mystical world, right? Yeah, it was... Um... It actually, the book actually, if you like reading about uh, ghost marriages, then I would suggest reading Lisa C.'s Peony and Love because that is about, like, the character is also a ghost mm-hmm. and there is some kind of ghost marriage in the book. So, okay. but that's like Chinese, like, that's not like Chinese Malay. So it's, it's slightly different, but yeah. Yeah. And even in this book, it, the author takes liberties too. Like, like you mentioned, um, and she says in the afterward, in, in my version of the book at least, that the um, the planes of the dead was something that she made up um, through bits and pieces of folklore, right? Like, I don't know how much is recorded about um, like the Chinese afterlife. Like, I know like there there's like records about like hungry ghosts and how like burning effigies work but i wonder if there's like a lot of material describing uh the spirit world <laughs> and i wonder like how much um um yang si chu like like invented or like or or adapted i guess i mean the way that i always understood Rosada was it's a lot of folklore a lot of oral tradition a lot of rituals and tradition um, I don't know if there's an actual like. I don't think we have like a book. Like oh, Christianity yeah. has a book. I don't. Right? I don't expect there to be a book. It's just... um, and also because it's it is like like Yansei Chu's depiction of the afterlife. It's a hodgepodge of a lot of different beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not pure Buddhism, but it's also not pure Taoism. It's also not pure, you know, whatever else that she used. It's like a mixture of each of those. And even within Chinese thought, there's different, you know, there's different ideas, right? There's, you know, like even within the story, like there's the ama who definitely believes in everything. And then the dad who was more like pragmatic and more like. Like, I, I would say it's like a very creative uh, afterlife. Like, 
Um, I'm trying to think of like other works where I've read or seen um, the afterlife being portrayed. And like, mm. the first thing that pops into mind is Yu Yu Hakusho <laughs> because I I, I mean that anime. afterlife was pretty much based around the same like folklore as the Ghost Bride for sure with like hell and officials, yeah, and yeah, of course, judges yeah. and stuff. Same with the Dragon Ball like afterlife, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, we talked a lot about this book. I yeah. hope I hope some of it made sense for our listeners. I mean, definitely if you have your thoughts about what we've discussed or your own takes on the themes and characters and plot of the book, please, please, please um go shoot us a message on our Goodreads forums. Um there is a thread ongoing about this book currently, and we'd love to hear your thoughts and read um what you guys think because like there's a lot to this book. There's a lot of meat to it. There's a lot of different things to focus on, to think about. And I love, like, that's the great part about, like, consuming media. It's like, you not only get to get, have your own thoughts about it, you get to see what other people think, too. Yeah, I mean, like, look at Marvin and me. Like, Marvin's <laughs> just like, I like the thriller and, like, the mystery aspect of it. And I'm like, oh, I just liked all the pretty details and the food. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it's like, I like the history part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, um... So that'll do it for our um, episode and our discussion of the October Books and Boba Book Club pick, The Ghost Pride by Yonsei Chu. Um, again, our November book club pick is Empress of a Thousand Skies by Rhoda Beleza. Um, and the softcover version comes out today or the day this podcast releases. And our December uh, pick is Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. So if you want to get a head start on that, be our guest. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Books and Boba. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, but definitely Twitter so you can get connected to all the other great book um, Twitter, Twitter, Twitters, Tweeters, Tweeters <laughs> that we um, that are part of our community. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. And this episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Mira Yu and edited by Marvin Yue. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. If you like Books and Boba, please check out one of our other great podcasts, including the Collabcast, the official podcast of the collaboration movement, bringing you discussions about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. You can catch Collabcast and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. 